fundraisers. I'm Don Lego, and it's time to buckle up once again for a new episode of Raise Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows, and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. Okay, let's get going. I am super excited to introduce my next host, um, my next guest, excuse me, I'm the host. Wow, it's been a long, a long week. We're recording this on a Friday. So um, Beth Holger from The Link in Minnesota is joining us today. Um, one of my colleagues, Sarah Sebastian, recently met her um, and was inspired by the story. I am as well. And we're so happy to bring it to Raise Nation Radio. Beth, welcome to the show and say hello to our audience. Thank you all so much for listening in. And thank you so much, Don and Sarah, for having me on Raise Nation Radio. I'm really honored to be here. Oh, well, I know we're going to have some pretty inspiring conversations. So we we really um, appreciate you and your time. But let's let our audience get to know you a little bit better. Would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself personally, professionally, and what you do at The Link? Sure, sure. So I um, am a mother of an eight-year-old son and live here in North Minneapolis. And I've worked in North Minneapolis for many, many years um, and just became very passionate about social justice issues at a very young age. And um, right out of college, started working with youth and young families experiencing homelessness and trafficking. So I don't, I, that's, is that a little bit about me? Or you yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, and let, a shout out to your uh, son. What's his name? Axel. Yeah. Ah, so cute. Well, I'm sure Axel's very proud of his mommy. Um, Sarah met you at the Giving Institute Summer Symposium. And, you know, we listen to stories all the time. We're immersed in fundraising and storytelling. And Sarah was quite taken back. So I guess we should start from the very beginning. Um, the link was founded in 1991 by um, some uh, Minnesota Viking players. Do I have that right? You want to tell us the story? Oh, yeah. Where did it all start? Sure. It's, it's a really inspiring story because our nonprofit, The Link, started was started by two very visionary Black community leaders um, that also happened to play for the Minnesota Vikings. So Jim Marshall and Oscar Eid. And they're very well known, I think, for being um, on the Vikings when we made it to Four Super Bowls. Uh, however, that's all. Unfortunately, we didn't. <laughs> Just we didn't four. Win, but we made it there. So they're part of what they call the Purple People Eaters. So they're very well known for that. But they've done so much for the community, including founding the Link, which their vision was to start a um, very grassroots nonprofit here in North on the North Side to help youth, predominantly Black youth, that were you know getting to recruited to get involved in crime, getting victimized by crime, or struggling with poverty and homelessness and all kinds of other traumas. Oh my gosh. Well, we've grown quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, good for them. So, you know, that's just wonderful for um, Jim and Oscar to take their um, celebrity status or, or sportsman status, if you will, and turn it into something just so beautiful and so wonderful and giving back to their communities, because certainly their, their name and their following would, would have immediate impact. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it, it's just nice to see for, you know, 
the better of, of, of your community. So what's happened since 1991? Um, you're a few years in now. What, what, what changes have you seen? What programming have you been able to accomplish? Just what impact have you had? Sure. So I will try to give the highlights. Um, there's been so much that has happened. Uh, and I know so much has happened in our community specifically in the past few years in our country. Um, but what I will say is since our since the two of them founded us, we've grown quite a bit since our two volunteer founders. So now um, at this point, we've got, it went from, and they're always shocked to hear this, but from two volunteer founders doing everything they could for young people to over 185 staff and several of them. Wait, are, what? 185 yes. staff? Did you just yes. say that? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, and I'm really proud to say we have a different kind of model of a nonprofit in that we're youth and adult led. So several of our staff are actually young people who have been through our programs. So the link has three areas of programming. One is for youth and young families experiencing homelessness. So we offer a full continuum street outreach. We go out into the streets where youth um, are homeless or trafficked and reach out to them, provide crisis intervention services, connections to longer term support. Um, we also have a drop in center, two emergency shelters, one for 10 to 17 year olds, one for 18 to 24, 24 year olds, and then nine housing programs, some of which are culturally specific for black youth or LGBTQ youth, and some are um, open to any young person of any, any identity. And then we also have um, a shelter and housing program and services for youth who have been who are victim survivors of sex trafficking, and then five juvenile justice alternative programs. So we've grown so much and we have, you know, they started with one or two programs and then now we've got all these staff. But um, so we do hire a lot of young people who have been through our programs and are now, you know, young adults coming back. And then we also have a model where youth with lived experience of homelessness, trafficking or foster care, juvenile justice system involvement are actually on our you know, board, traditional board of directors. And then we have five youth advisory boards. So they help us to co-design all of our programs, help us to interview and hire the right staff. They evaluate formally the outcomes from our program twice a year and make all the suggestions for how we can keep improving. They also regularly, trust me, I have text messages to prove it, have suggestions informally on a daily basis of what we can keep you know, doing better at the link. And I think because of that model of leadership, that's a little bit different. We really value what young people are telling us is going to work because they're the experts, you know, at their own lives and their peers' lives. So I think that really helps us um, because definitely, I mean, they'll tell it to us real, real time of what, what needs to change or be better. Real time and real straight. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I love that full circle approach. Um, it's just, uh, it's um, remarkable, truly. And I, I have to give credit to your leaders, your founders, yourself, the organization for truly listening, right? It's That's what I'm hearing is that you're listening and responding to, to what you're hearing and having a youth-led organization and, and that level of empathy. Um to, to what you're doing every day is, is really remarkable, but, but how did you get there? I think that's what, what's truly 
remarkable to me. I mean, how did you center the youth? That's not an easy task. I mean, you made it sound easy. Okay. So you went through our program. So now, you know, let's give back on the other end and be part of the board and give some suggestions. That's not an easy feat at all. So how do you center the youth and bring that community together to support each other in such an incredible way? That's a great question. So it was done informally for a long time, you know, by our founders. But then I want to say about 10 years ago, we started and thankfully, like youth leadership and voice is now becoming more of a trend. Um, But about 10 years ago, we made a dedicated effort to and we just basically made it up based on what young people were telling us, um, listen to them. And then um, we essentially created what we called youth advisory committees, where we created a a model of paid leadership for them. So on a traditional board of nonprofits, we still want youth to be on that, but those are typically unpaid volunteer positions and young people coming out of homelessness recently or trafficking. It was a hard, we felt terrible asking them to do um, something that wasn't paid. So we created youth advisory committees and have a And with the young people's input, created job descriptions, applications, and yearly plans for what we would do throughout the year, and then set up times where each youth advisory meeting met twice a month formally. And then there was a lot of different hours in between where youth could really help us come set up physical space at the new shelter, for example, come paint, come get the room set up, um, help us um, with funding site visits, or help us come out to the Capitol to advocate for change or there's a number of different opportunities they have between those two meetings to add in extra hours. Um, And so that's basically how we set it up. We're continuing always to try to tweak and do it better based on young people's feedback. Right now, the biggest thing they're telling me is that they want more hours. Like, you know, they want, they don't want it to be a part-time job. They want, so we're trying to really create more um, intentional opportunities for them to um, be, you know, 20 hours a week to 40 hours a week, full-time employees. So we're trying to create more opportunities and more fundraising for that. But that's a Wow. So, I mean, we often talk um, about meaning and purpose in your life and in your job. And, and so it sounds like that's exactly what you're delivering. I mean, it's, it's one thing to give somebody, you know, a meal, a home, a, 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 but, you know, that's temporary when you really speak to their soul and give that person meaning and purpose and opportunity. That's when we really could um, eradicate maybe some of the, the the situations that we're seeing, like homelessness and trafficking and, you know, just give people that opportunity to get to a better place and sounds like that's what you're doing. So congratulations. I I so applaud that. Um, Are the Minnesota Vikings still involved in any way? Do they still show support for their uh, alumni? They do. They do. So they have a um, social justice fund that the Minnesota Vikings current players vote on. And so they have provided funding to us for um, their recent, most recent grant was $25,000, which is incredible. And it's flexible funding too, which is really nice. They also do, I think, just amazing things. Um, We were able to take 
a group of 21 youth to the preseason Viking game against the 49ers. And um, the young people were just, you know, they had never been to a game. They were just screaming, cheering, super excited, both about the game, but then also they were able to go through and get free food. <laughs> um, so that was really exciting, just all of it for them. And they, they, so they provide both experiences for the young people here and then support us financially. They also will give um, autographed items for, and so do Jim and Oscar for our fundraising events. So they are definitely still involved and they support other nonprofits besides the link too, which is really great. Wow. So how's the community responded? I mean, how have they come together, responded, gotten behind the link and showed their support? We have, um, I feel like the North side oftentimes is stereotyped really negatively, which is unfortunate. I live here, work here, and it's a wonderful community. Um, We have so many community members that volunteer, that donate, that give us insights or areas um, where we can expand on. So we have, I feel like just had a tremendous amount of community support. I think what we've noticed is since the murder of George Floyd here and COVID, we have had, um, and this side unfortunately doesn't get seen a lot, but we have had more and more community members step up to help us than we ever have. Um, Because they know that the young people who are experiencing homelessness or who are in foster care or who are involved in the juvenile justice system, all of that, like those are the young people most impacted by, I mean, all the horrific things that have been happening. So we have had um, just an influx of people wanting to come and volunteer, um, give in, do in-kind donations um, and really support the young people. So it's, so I wish people could see that side too. I mean, I think yeah, of course. Really together to try to help one another and make positive change. You know, we all go about our life every day and I think we forget to stop and think that there are some youth that are in really dangerous situations that are being compromised, you know, sexually, mentally. Um, They're going without homes, without food and nothing can be sadder. You know, we have to protect our youth that they didn't ask for any of this. They're not in a position to yet help themselves. And um it's just my heart breaks, you know, for sure. So again, all the more power and and congratulations to you for, for, for what you're doing. But you've been recognized in so many different ways just recently, not that long ago, just this summer, right? In June, um, you were the um, uh, honored at the um, Empowering Youth Now Gala by the Armory Foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How did that go? What 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 did you achieve there? So the Armory is uh, another amazing supporter locally. It's a Black-owned business. Um, two brothers from North Minneapolis um, opened it, as well as several other businesses, Rich Richardson and Ned Richardson. And they um, have been really great supporters of the link. And they put on, um, it was quite amazing. We've never had this happen before, honestly. They put on a gala for us completely with their, you know, staffing, their um, sponsorship support. They donated the venue, the food, valley parking, everything. Wow. It's a little over a hundred thousand for us. No. Oh, oh that's such a great story. Yes. Unrestricted funding. Um, they br- And they just have such a network of people that 
I or we don't have access to. So it was really wonderful. They also, what was really fun about the event is they asked me one of the hardest things, which was that I had, um, I could nominate two youth and two staff, frontline staff members for um, awards for exemplary service and rising star awards. And so I was able to do that. Um, and then they um, honored them with awards at this event. And then they um, they did honor me with a lifetime achievement award, which was hard to accept because honestly, the, the entire link team, it is such a, it's a family, really. This work isn't work, it's a, a passion, right? And it's something mm-hmm. that doesn't go along traditional business hours. And a lot of us have been in it for many years together. And I cannot say enough about how grateful I am for the team and family I get to work with. So it was kind of tough to um, accept an award as a as an individual. So I, you know, accepted it on behalf of the whole link team, but, but yes, of course I was, you did. <laughs> um, they, and I tried to talk Rich into changing it to be for the whole link, but he did not want to do that. Or he supports the whole link, but didn't, didn't, uh, didn't hear it's okay, Beth. It's okay. You know what? Sometimes we need to give a little shine to leadership as humble as you are. Um, just be proud of, of what you're doing. I mean, the story is remarkable. It's so needed and so um, well-deserved. So take your moment. It's okay. We're, we're going to give, we give you permission. So, um, but we can tell your passion and you're spoken like a true uh, fundraiser. Um, so tell me though, how was your journey in the past couple of years as fundraisers um, and a CEO of, of a very, very critically important mission. How was the journey since March 2020 and all of the curveballs that fundraisers have faced and, you know, the pivoting that we had to do? I hate using that word, but um, how, how have you been, have you been? Has, has it on the other side? Are you on the other side yet? How's it going? It has been extremely hard. I think for anybody, I don't want to say just for the link or just for me, everyone for sure. But I think it's been hardest on those who are, who were already in crisis before these things happened. Um, From a fundraising, there's been so much that has happened. I mean, just, um, and so I'm trying to think from a fundraising perspective specifically, um, I think I, I want to say that the majority of our government and private and corporate funders were really, really supportive and flexible um, with um, things like if we had to change a budget line item on a grant, right? Or because now, or just there were so many different things that changed, right? Um, so we really appreciated that. In terms of fundraising events, that completely changed as probably everyone knows. And so we, along with many other agencies, went to the virtual events, which had strengths, but also the virtual events didn't bring in quite as much money as the, you know, like the Armory Foundation just had their in-person, which was wonderful. Those tend to bring in more. And so we did have fundraising gaps. Um, We were really lucky to get a PPE loan, which helped us with those. but um, the other thing I want to say is there was some local foundations that did emergency um, unrestricted grants that were really, really helpful. Um, and I know I'll forget somebody if I say everybody, but, you know, the Graves Foundation was one and uh, Minneapolis Foundation was one. And so there's like, different foundations that stepped up and provided. And it might have seemed like small amounts, but all of them combined. Hey, were yeah. Um, and, and I think that's been the messaging, you know, um, rather than the 
one big um, gala, you know, smaller, more intimate, you know, gatherings or fundraising campaigns will will add up. So to just keep going. But I'm sorry, I think I cut you off. Were you going to say something? I was just going to say, and the fact of and I know every nonprofit says this, but that they were a lot of them changed those emergency grants to be completely unrestricted so that we could kind of backfill. And because we had to do, you know, all kinds of different things. Like we had to pay, we wanted to pay our staff some hazard pay because we had to work in person. We didn't have the option of working from home. Which, of course. Yeah. So we wanted to, so during the height of COVID wanted to do some extra because we knew that was hard on them. Plus we all had kids, you know, that were all of a sudden in distance learning myself included. So how do we manage that and work in person? And it was, so we wanted to offer, you know, that hazard pay um, there, all of the, all of the different um, protocols that were constantly changing that shelters and housing programs had to follow. And, you know, they were coming at us from all the different funders and government jurisdictions. So just making sure we had all of that covered. Um, so we really appreciated that flexibility and the unrestricted part. Yeah, I mean, I, I everybody needs to do their part. And, you know, on that note, if you don't mind, I'm going to give a little shout out uh, to one cause social uh, uh, social corporate social responsibility. My words getting tongue tied today, but uh, we actually um, launched a grant program ourselves to acquire um, our fundraising technology uh, last year. So we're hoping that helps as well. So any organization listening um, and and the link included, uh, we do have a grant program to acquire um, One Cause software uh, to further fundraising and missions and um, grants are open. The applications are open through November 1st and they are for two year grant programs starting January, 2023. So um, it's just so important that um, we all remain flexible and generous and that companies um, support their responsibility. And um, I'm glad that you were able to benefit from a few things out there just to keep you going. You know, I, I didn't even think about that. Not everybody had the option to go virtual. You had to stay in person. Um, so um, I'm glad that I'm glad to see you, uh, you know, on the other side and, and still going strong. So what's next? What's next? You've had such a, an amazing run. Um, I'm I've taken a quick look at your um, website and wanted to talk um, about some of your programming. But when you cursor over, the list just drops down so long with all of the different things that you're do- doing that where do you even start? So the story definitely continues. Um, if somebody wants to you know, get, get more familiar with this story, why don't we share that web address? Because this laundry list is just way too long to cover in one podcast. But how do people get in touch with you? They want to be involved. They want to donate. They want to just learn more or maybe need to learn more about some of your amazing programs, which really just run the length of a web page. So how do we get in touch with you? Sure. I think our website's the easiest. Thank you for mentioning that. It's www.thelinkmn.org. MN for Minnesota. Yeah, very easy. There we go. Yeah, I mean, it just, it's all there. It's just all there. So you can volunteer, you can get involved, you can donate, and you can find out about the endless list of um, programming that, that, uh, that's offered by the link. But what's next? I was starting to go in that direction with the question. Yeah, where do you want to go next? We have been in literal crisis, putting out fight 
real fires and all kinds of stuff a mode for a few years now and now we're really um, starting on a strategic plan and also a comprehensive campaign to work on raising funds for a new building a reserve um, and a few other needs and so we're really trying to forward think about that and um, starting those projects and one of the I mean, one of the other kind of exciting things that just happened this month is that we opened a really innovative program called Linked Circle. I think um, we are very fortunate that we have a lot of great nonprofit partners. And so we opened the Link Circle with Circle of Discipline, who's a another nonprofit that has um, that was also founded by Black athlete leaders, um, boxers. And so they have a boxing gym for you at risk youth as their main programming, but they also have leadership development and tutoring and a lot of classes. So we um, now have a new program called Link Circle and we have added housing units with the property owners um, partnership on the floor above their boxing gym for youth that are experiencing homelessness. And then they can just walk down and participate in athletic training, tutoring, leadership development classes. And then there's also a coffee shop there that in the building that they can get um, employment at. And so it's kind of a full circle, linked circle of all the different aspects, right? Leadership, athletics. Um, we also have a mental, you know, mental health support. So a lot of different supportive services within our two agencies combined to support these young people who are involved in home, who are experiencing homelessness and are involved in the juvenile justice system here in Minneapolis. So very excited about that program opening. It's really innovative and different. Um, because it involves that leadership development component. We also have our We Will Breathe group, which is a youth-led racial justice group. So it's designed by youth at the link that um, they meet weekly. So that's part of this as well. So it's kind of a full scale of all these different components, not just the crisis intervention, but the longer term leadership and athletic development um, in one program. And then, like I said, we're really working to um, start the pre-planning phase of fundraising for a comprehensive campaign and the big part of that will be really creating a good home for the link here in north minneapolis right now we've grown so much that we're bursting at the seams and kind of renting space from different north side churches which are they're great don't get me wrong but we want to have a really big and um a good footprint where we can have really nice dignified space for the youth and then also add in more housing units um, so it would be a multi-use building so those are the building biggest things that are next for the link and i will say the what the link is known for and what i think why why i was asked to be at the the conference where Sarah met me is that the link is also really known for pushing social justice to where to where it we should be <laughs> yeah, which it can be tricky sometimes because you're also being funded by those government entities, right? And so we we will keep pushing, but we're, you know, we've helped pass the Homeless Youth Act, Safe Harbor, which decriminalizes prostitution offenses in quotes for youth under 18. So we're going to keep pushing that. Um, so keep pushing for law changes to, to really truly end youth homelessness. We can do it. We just need to continue to work on changing some of our systems and our laws and then increasing the resources, both private and government, to the point where we can meet the needs and then it'll eventually stop because most homeless adults experience homelessness first as a youth. So if, yeah. we, can, if we can stop and, and um, you know, re I think it'll take a few years, but we can reduce and then end youth homelessness will also end adult homelessness. So yeah. and then most trafficked youth 
are coming from homeless youth. So if we can do that, it'll also reduce the number of youth who are trafficked. So we're going to keep pushing it. We have all kinds of strategies for that too. And I know we'll do it because the young people are helping us lead these efforts and they are the experts and are amazing. Wow. I, I just love the youth led um, and, and community backing your full circle approach. And I believe you just listening to you. I believe if anyone can do it, 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 it's definitely going to be you. Can you share just one success story without mentioning names? We want to protect privacy, of course, but I'd love to hear if one comes to mind, a, a particular success story that has gone through your program. There are I'm so sure there's many. I know <laughs> you're going to say there that are so, there are so many. Um, there are so many. So let me see here. Um, there, so there is, there is a young person who um, experienced. She experienced. She was experiencing homelessness, abuse as a child, unfortunately, and eventually was taken out um, into a foster care placement. So ended up kind of bounced in between like her biological parents, other people, and then um, homelessness for a while, and then eventually. Um, got into the foster care system and so spent time in foster care, but unfortunately didn't have a very attentive or supportive foster care situation or family and ended up um, getting recruited into sex trafficking by a trafficker that acted, you know, like he cared about her and was in love with her and all that. And it turned out to be something very different. Um, so unfortunately, um, she was recruited into trafficking that way and ended up um, being sex trafficked for a few years. And she fortunately um, ended up being referred to us by one of her social worker, county social workers, and she came into our housing program for sex trafficked youth called Passageways. And she um, is still currently in that program. She's been in the program a few years, but she's doing so amazing. She's completely out of what we call out of the life. Like she's not being sex trafficked anymore. She's not using drugs or alcohol. Um, she's got a baby and is a really good mom to that child. Um, she's working on some post-secondary education credits and she got a job working in one of our other programs um, full-time. So, oh gosh. And this is like putting her story into a very short version, but um, and it's hard because she is incredible and so many of the young people here are, but it's just the point of, we just need to be able to provide some, um, a chance, an opportunity, support. A yeah, something support empowerment. And these young people can overcome horrific situations. I, you know, we get to see that every day and that never gets old. Yeah never gets old. Wow. That's wonderful. I, I could listen to you all day, but we've spoken for almost um, a half hour now. I, um, I hope that our audience um, feels the, the passion and the dedication and the commitment. Um, are the founders still involved? Do they still, how, how much do, do you get to see them and interact and work with them? Well, they are still involved. They, they um, are on, we have a community advisory board that they are on, which formally meets every two two times a year and they give input into our strategic plan and overall guidance of the agency but they also I feel like are some of my and the link's biggest uh, just cheerleaders for lack of a better word um, or supporters like they're just so supportive football players turn cheerleaders I like exactly. to see that yeah <laughs> no, I do I do see them I wish it was more often but I do see them about once every two months I'll make a point to go visit have lunch that's often the the months roll around pretty fast yeah 
And I love just hearing from them about the old days or just encouragement. They also, so they're great mentors to us. I've learned a lot from them. And then they also um, endowed a founder's award of $500 for an, a staff that we award it to at our annual staff retreat that, that if they're feeling good enough, they're able to give it to them themselves, come to the staff retreat and give them this award. We tried to give them an award at our staff retreat for starting the link. And they said, no, they wanted to honor one of our, our youth <laughs> work staff. So they do that. And then, like I said, they're supportive with silent auction items. They'll help with fundraisers. But yeah, they're great. Wow. Wow. The, the, the humility and, and the humanity that's taking place over there at the link, Minnesota is pretty, pretty darn special. I'm, I'm inspired. And um, I can just uh, only applaud what you're doing. Uh, I can understand now why my colleague, Sarah, took a moment, paused and said, Dawn, you've got to meet this group. So I'm glad to bring your story to Raise Nation Radio. And hopefully somebody's listening and wants to help or donate or support you in any way that they can and um, is also inspired by your story. So thank you for sharing and for being a guest on the show today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I know there's a lot of people out there doing good work. So appreciate this chance. To be yeah. Here. Yeah, that's right. But you're doing some amazing work and it's so good to hear. So fearless fundraisers, that's about all the time we have for today. Thank you uh, for tuning in um, and for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Race Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Please tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 1230 p.m. That's Thursdays. 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And in the meantime, listen to all the episodes of Raise Nation Radio on your favorite podcast channel. Um, follow whichever channel you like best so that you can get the notifications about all of our new guests. Um, as you just heard, fundraisers are inspiring. They're doing amazing things to build better tomorrows for our communities. Stories are just very special. You won't want to miss a single episode. I would like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy to use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with their donors. Check it out at onecause.com and visit the resource tab on the homepage. There's a broad catalog of eBooks and blogs and videos and infographics and more podcasts, um, episodes that you'll find very helpful. A huge shout out again to my guest, Beth um, from the link Minnesota for sharing just um, an authentic voice and a real story about what's going on. Um, in the area. Thank you again so much for being with us. Any last words of inspiration? Yeah, I just I just want to say um, thank you for listening. And every, I know this sounds a little bit cliche, but every act of kindness helps because you don't necessarily know who's out there experiencing homelessness or who's being trafficked. So just every act of kindness, I think, especially these days um, to strangers or people that are within your families, um, it counts every, 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 every act of it counts. So thank you. Well, cliche or not, that is such a true and powerful statement. So thank you again so much. Fearless fundraisers. That is a wrap until next time. I'm Dawn Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio. You stay fearless out there. 